So go ahead, grab your tablets, your smartphones, your Bibles, if you have a Bible, uh, however it may be with you, and let's get into today's word because we have something really, really special at the end of this service that we want you to be a part of. Week number one of a five-week series entitled Divine Encounters. Divine Encounters. Today's message is entitled Encounter Face-to-Face. Encounter Face-to-Face. Now, I'm sure that you, at some point in your life, you've had one of those, oh man, you just should have been there kind of an experience. In other words, you, you went somewhere, you did something, and that experience was so amazing to you, you couldn't wait to share it with somebody. That particular event, that particular day, that particular thing that you did was just so, and you couldn't wait to share with that, that story with somebody else. So uh, you decided that what you're going to do is you're going to share that and you begin to talk to that family member, that friend, your spouse, whoever the person may be in your life. You begin to share with them what that was like and you're, you're seeing that their eyes are sort of glazed over. They're not really connecting with that. Their statement to you while you're sharing your exciting story is, oh, sweetheart, that's nice. Yeah, that's really nice. And you know, ah, forget it. It's, it's just not happening. And you resign the thought that, well, I guess they're just going to have to experience that themselves because you just had to have been there. You just had to have been there to experience what I'm talking about right now. Well, that is a reality. And you and I really do have those kind of moments because the God that you and I serve, I want you to know, He's a God who wants to be experienced. He wants you and I to experience Him, to come to know Him in a very wonderful, in a very real, and in a very pow- powerful way. And there's an experience that I would like to share with you about one of my experiences that I know you just had to have been there. But let me share this one story with you. I shared this a number of years ago, so I'm going to share some of the same things if you were attending Word of Life back then. It's the Brownsville Revival. The Brownsville Revival that happened down in Pensacola, Florida, uh, that began, that was launched actually by a move of God, but that was launched on Father's Day, June 18, 1995. So it's somewhere around 20 years ago that this was my experience. This is one of those moments that changed everything in my life. That began on Father's Day, and it went for about five years, this revival. This was an unplanned revival. All of a sudden, God showed up in this Assembly of God Church in Pensacola, Florida, and a revival broke out. It broke out, and it was amazing, and it was wonderful. Uh, they estimated that more than 4 million people from around the world in those five years came to the Assembly of God Church in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, the revival was in, in absolutely incredible. They also estimated that over in five years, over 200,000 people gave their lives to Jesus in that church, in that revival. Isn't that incredible? Now, I don't know about you, but I think we could stand a revival one more time in America, and I wouldn't mind if it was right here far as I'm concerned. But anyhow, Steve Hill, Steve Hill was the evangelist. He was the guest speaker on Father's Day. Nothing was planned. None none of this was planned at all. But as Steve began to preach and as things began to happen, all of a sudden the Spirit of God fell and this great revival broke out. And it was under the leadership of evangelist Steve Hill. Things began to happen. It was incredible. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, The power and the presence and the promises of God was so thick in that room. I can't see everybody because of the cross. The cross is blocking us, but it's a good thing it's a cross. So don't worry about that. But um, the, 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 uh, the presence of God was so thick, so real in that place. It was un- unbelievable what it was like. Uh, and here's what happened to me. Let me share you 
with my story, what happened to me. I ended up, I have always, as pastor of the church, been here almost 26 years now. Um, I would, whenever a revival would break out, whenever there was a move of God, rather than me sitting here in Baldensville and judging what's going on over there, I have fe felt the responsibility to go and check it out myself. There was a, a, a revival up in Toronto uh, a while ago. There was a revival down in Pensacola, Florida. There's been different revivals, and I've gone to them. So I went to this to evaluate and to judge and to figure if this was authentic or not or whether I would want my church to be in a part of this or not, you know, that kind of thing, being a shepherd. And uh, so when I got there, I, I, in fact, I went there, I remember at least three, maybe four different times that I myself, me with my staff or me with Marianne would go down to, to the, uh, the revival and we would experience some of the things that we were there. I'm telling you, when we were in those rooms, when we were in the sanctuary, when things were happening, it was just incredible. Worship was beyond our imagination. Besides the, the excellent worship that was being played, the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord was in that room. I mean, I, I've got chills right now going up and down my arms, just going back to that day, remembering how amazing and how incredible that it would be. Um, watching people literally run to the altar in, in the midst of the service while he's talking about sin, all of a sudden a person would scream out, typically it was a young in, individual, but he would scream out, God, forgive me of my sin. I mean, it was just, it was interrupt, interruption, but it was welcomed interruption because the Spirit of God. And it didn't happen one time. I mean, it would boom, 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 boom. All of a sudden, it was like God was just speaking to people and they were repenting. And my God, it was incredible. It was just, just um, unbelievable. I would watch people run to the altar to receive Christ, to know that their sins are forgiven. I mean, it, it, wasn't a, it, it wasn't like a light experience for them. They would run to the altar. They would fall on their face before God. They would be crying out to God. And they would get saved. I mean, incredible. If you've never experienced anything like this, it was absolutely incredible. Um, tons of teenagers were there. Teenagers were everywhere, hungry for God, hungry for God. This is 20 years ago. Hungry for God, wanted the presence of God. Lines would start forming to go into the meeting at 9 in the morning, somewhere around 9 in the morning. You can't get into the building until 6 p.m. But lines would begin to, to gather together. And there was ropes and all kinds of stuff that would cause hundreds and thousands of people to stand in line all day long waiting for that. Others would go get a bunch of food and bring it back and people would get to eat, you know, all that kind. It was, it was, it was exciting to say the very least. Uh, and uh, this one time, this is my experience I want to share with you. This one time that I went, Marianne was with me. We're standing in line. I don't know. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what time it is. Don't remember. It doesn't matter. But all of a sudden, I'm standing there, and it starts raining on my head. There's a mist that's coming on my head, and it's all around me. It's on me. And no one else has that. No one else in all the hundreds of people that were there. Because I'm looking, and I, and I looked at Marianne, and I said, Honey, do you see that? Do, do you see that mist? Do you see that? And she says, I see it. And it was all over me. My bald head was getting wet, not from sweat, but from this mist. And uh, this went on for hours. I don't remember how long, but it went on for hours. Finally, it's 6 p.m., and they open up the doors, and there's a rush to get in there. It's a fist fight to get a seat. And uh, we get in there. I get in there, and I'm up on the top. I'm up in the very top, up against the wall, way, always, all the way back in the in the sanctuary, and I'm sitting there, and the same thing's happen in, happening inside. 
I have this mist that's falling on me. And I'm just sensing the presence of God. I'm just sensing something I never sensed before. I never had before. This is brand new to me, man. I mean, I've never experienced anything like this. If you know me, I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not a weirdo. Well, maybe I'm a little bit weird, but I'm not a weirdo. This was a God thing that was happening to me. And finally, the, the, uh, the service was incredible. And finally, Steve began the altar call. And all of a sudden, as he begins the altar call, I knew that I was supposed to go down front. And so here are people everywhere. I mean, it is jam-packed. And, and I know I have to get to the front. I know I need to have Steve put his hand on me and pray for me. And uh, so I, I'm making my way, and there's teenagers all around. I probably have... 20 teenagers all around me. And by the way, at that time, this is 20 years ago, I was a power lifter. So I was rather big. I weighed 220 pounds. I was a rather big guy from, for that age. And, and I'm telling you why I'm telling you that in just a moment. So I finally made my way. I actually pushed some of the, the kids out of the way because I wanted to get up there. <laughs> and I'm up there, and finally Steve gets to me. And, and, and he's up, up on, higher up like this than me. And and so he's taller than me now, and he puts his hands on my shoulder. And he looked at me, and he says, what are you here for? And I said, I want God to have his way with me. Any way, anything he wants, it's yes. And all of a sudden, as he put his hands on me, he said, in the name of Jesus. And when he did that, I am not exaggerating. I took off like a rocket. I went straight up into the air, and then I fell backwards, like I went up and back, and I took about five teenagers down with me. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I was, I was, I just pulled every, everybody down with me, and I'm on the floor. And as I'm laying on the floor, the mist was still coming. The mist was still coming down on my, on my face, and the presence of God. I mean, I remember leaving the place, but I don't know how long I was there. I was there on the floor for a long, long time. Ah, uh, you should have just been there yourself. <laughs> There's just no way I can explain it to make it any more clear than all of that. You just had to be there yourself. Honestly, I have had many of those kind of experiences happen to me in my 47 years of following Jesus, following God. And this, this could be true, and really it is true, with every single one of us in this room when we come to God. Listen, God never intended that all we do with him is to come into a building, sing a few songs, take up an offering, listen to a message, and then walk out of here. That's not the way it was done in the church, in the early church. There were things happening in people's lives. God was moving in powerful ways. Maybe not the way that that happened to me back in the uh, late uh, 90s. That's not typical always happening, but it would be different than what we see today in most churches. The God of heaven has always wanted something personal, something powerful of an experience, of an encounter that you would have with God face to face. God wants that with you so that you would have your very own encounter story. People may be wondering why. Why would God do that? Well, because of that. Because God would want you to have your very own encounter story, whatever that may be. Primarily, that your life would be forever changed and would, you would never be the same again. Also, so that you would experience God and, and, and would not only be based on stories that you found in the Bible, but it would be personal. It would be something special between you and God. Stories that we find within the Bible, of course, you know some of them. Real quick, 2.5 million people, the Jews crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. On dry ground with the Egyptian army hot on their tail. Crossing the, the sea on dry ground. That's quite an encounter. We also know of, of a guy by the name of Peter who ends up climbing out of the boat. 
and he begins to walk on the water where Jesus had beckoned him. Yes, come to me. Come to me. That's quite an encounter to have something like that happen to you. And or the feeding of 5,000 with only, with only five loaves and two fishes. And at the end of the people being fed and full, they were filled, the Bible says. Um, there were 12 baskets left over. How? From five loaves and two fishes. And it was because of an encounter that they had with God. It's a powerful encounter. Listen to me. The Bible is 100% true and it's accurate. Hearing and reading these stories does build our faith. It's exciting as we get into those things. What God has done, it's amazing. But look with me in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, and it says these words. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. All of these stories, all of the scriptures, they were written in the past. They were written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, that we might have hope. That what you see there we might experience it might be part of our our story it might be part of our testimony as well so that ultimately through the scriptures we can have that same hope and expectation that god will do the same for you and god would do the same for me he would do those kind of things so we are what we are doing let me explain this to you what we are doing is that we are setting aside a time over these next five weeks including today we're setting aside a time to put ourselves in a place where we can personally experience God. This is intentional. We want you to do this. We want you to experience God face to face. And uh, so let me announce to you what that's going to look like today. This series is entitled Divine Encounters. I've already said that. Uh, but it is a bit different than what we normally do here at, on a Sunday morning here at Word of Life. This isn't the normal thing. The crosses, the communion, all the extra things that we're doing is not Typical, it is not normal. And let me tell you why we're doing that. We're doing that because we believe that God is a, is a God who not only wants us to understand who he is, and by the way, even with our finite mind, we can only understand so much. There's more to God than what we know here right now. There's much more. And God wants us to know him. But he also, God also not only wants us to know him, but he wants us to experience him. He wants us to experience God. You and I will never get to that place where, where, um, where we need to be with God by just going through the motions, by just doing the religious things that we typically do on a Sunday that the church does on a regular basis, such as maybe uh, you know, opening up the Bible, reading a few verses, and maybe praying a few prayers. That's typical with most of the church because, God's, because God is a God who is wanting an encounter with you. In fact, Jesus says the words, the words, he says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door is going to be open. Ask and you're going to receive is what Jesus says. God is a God who wants to be encountered by us, by you personally, between him and you. So we need to make room for God to do that. And again, intentionally, we need to make time and a place that we would be able to set it aside and say, God, this is between you and me. This is between what you want to do and reveal yourself to me, what you want to do in my life, who you are, what it is that you would want to do. So for the next five weeks, including this week, we're going to pursue to encounter God at the conclusion of our service. As we move toward the very end, we're going to do these special things of encounter to meet with God. We have changed things up a little bit. We're going to have a shorter worship service than we normally do. Uh, we're going to uh, make announcements like Nick has already made, like we normally do. Uh, there's going to be a shorter message yeah, right. There's going to be a shorter message than usual as the pastor preaches. 
And when the preaching is over, the service is not over. In just a few moments, I'm going to be done. It doesn't mean we're done. It doesn't mean we leave out of here. I'm asking you to please do not leave. But we will all have our own personal time with God. We're going to do it a few different ways. When I'm done preaching, the first thing I'm going to do is to call us to move forward with God with our worship of our tithe, with the worship of our tithe. We have these pails right here, these buckets right here. So when I do that, you're going to get up out of your seat. And this is the beginning. This is the beginning of our encounter. After we're done with that, that particular thing of bringing our tithe as an act of worship to God, you can do a number of things. You can go back to your seats. The worship team is going to be leading us in worship. You can go back to your seats. You can sit, stand, kneel. You can do whatever you want to do while worship is going on. You may also want uh, desire to go to the crosses. If you go to the cross, you're going to uh, find uh, there's paper down here, little pamphlets that are down here. And on here would be your prayer request that you would have. We have pens, pencils, pins. And uh, you would write your request down. We're going to have those buckets off. You can sit, stand there and write it on the communion table. And then you would want to pin that to the cross, that prayer request that you have. One of the things we know as the church of Jesus is that amazing things happen through that cross of Jesus. Amazing things. Our lives were changed by the power of the cross. And so we still believe that there is power in the cross. So by putting that thing down that you today think is hopeless... You today think that the only way this will ever change is if God gets a hold of this thing. Well, we're going to have you write that prayer request down. Please do not give a last name. If you're going to pray for Mike, then just put Mike down. Don't give us his last name, please. And uh, even though my brother Mike Chiz needs a lot of prayer, um, <laughs> just don't put his whole name down. Um, but that, that will be another option for you to take, is to, for you to do that. Also, what we're going to have is we're going to have our intercessors, like we normally do on a Sunday morning. They are going to be uh, stationed around here. If you would like somebody to pray for you, they will be glad to pray for you. Another thing that we're going to do, you will see on the far outside of our stage platform is communion. Maybe, just maybe, you would like to uh, partake of that sacred um, opportunity that we have of Holy Communion. And uh, you can go over there and do that yourself. You're going to serve yourself. If your spouse, your boyfriend, girlfriend, your friends are with you, you can, you can do it however you want to do that. But we encourage you to have that encounter with God through Holy Communion as well. And then, of course, we're going to continue on. And uh, it will probably be about a 10, 15-minute long kind of an encounter. But I'm asking you, I'm desiring you, and I'm pleading with you, that you would have this moment to encounter God yourself. It will be face to face. So maybe today is going to be a little bit awkward trying to get used to what it is we're going to do. This, by the way, is our third time doing this. We did it in 2014. We did it in 2016. And two years later, we're doing it in 2018. We've done this now. This will be our third time doing this kind of encounter. So I just encourage you, please, please, please do all that you can to get involved with this church. I'm really excited. We see here at Word of Life, God is on the move, and he's on the move big time here at Word of Life. And we're going to connect with God in a very powerful and mighty way through this approach, this encounter that we're going to be having. And I believe it's going to be amazing. You see, nothing compares to that personal experience of his presence in your life. Nothing compares to that. Nothing. That can happen at 2 in the morning. It can happen at work, at church. It can happen wherever. God would show up in a very personal and powerful way it's life-changing. Nothing can compare to that. After my 47 years of following God, I've had many personal encounters with God, and He has changed me. It's not because I'm special and you're not. We're all we're sons and daughters of God. He wants to do this with all of us. You've got to make yourself available to God so that He can do that. Come on, give me an amen. amen. 
By the way, when you and I have these special encounters with God, God doesn't do that only for your pleasure, although it's cool. It's not just for your pleasure. But God has a plan to take that personal experience that you've just gone through, that personal encounter, that face-to-face time between you and God. And what God wants to do is to make that a tool in your life, that you would make that a tool, that you would be able to share that. People will be drawn to God through your story, through your changed life. And so that's part of it. I just shared with you my story, which happened in Pensacola, Florida. It's something that you can do that will be inspiring to others and may move them toward coming to know Christ, those personal encounters that you would have. And yes, that means your family members and your friends. It means your classmates and co-workers, that they're going to see the change in your life, and you're going to be able to go back to and say, it happened one day when I was in Pensacola, Florida. It happened one day when I was at Myrtle Beach. It happened one day, whatever your story would be, that God came in and he changed your life. Give me an amen if you would, please. There's a very powerful scripture in the New Testament that clearly tells us that face-to-face encounters, those face-to-face encounters, Those face-to-face encounters with God still happen today. Go with me there if you would. Um, It's 2 Corinthians chapter 3. This is the message Bible. This is so stinking cool. Wait till you hear this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 beginning with verse 16. Whenever though they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and uh, and there they are face-to-face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence. He's not just a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We are free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. So we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like him. Too many people have the mindset of God that he's only but a statue. He's only that chiseled piece of of rock, whatever it would be. And that's who our God is. And it's not that. It's when you and I come into that place and we meet God face to face. And there is that living experience that you have with God. You realize he's more than a chiseled stone. He is the living God. And he wants to change every one of our lives. That is great news. And I need another amen if you would please. So um, the, the hope that we have whenever anyone turns to God is that the veil of, of spiritual darkness would be taken away. The old religious lo- order would be gone. It would be obsolete. And we are set free in God. Amen. Amen. Truth is, a lot of people have only, have only heard of God. A lot of people have, have a belief in God. And maybe even some people even love God. But they have never really experienced His presence. They've never experienced His power. They've never experienced that face-to-face kind of an an encounter. Listen, church, we need power, not words. We need power, not words. We need an encounter and not an explanation. We need need, uh, His presence and not mere religion. Listen, it's more than four songs, a sermon, and Chipotle. It's more than all of that. Way more. And I know many of you people love to eat there, but I don't. It doesn't matter. Anyhow, today's encounter story is literally the face, the first face-to-face story that we find in the scriptures. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 32. We're going to get there in just a couple of moments. There are those of us who would just love to have an encounter, a face-to-face encounter with God. Again, because it's cool. It's amazing. It's wonderful. But I also want to let you know that there's people in this room right now 
I don't know who you are, but there are people in this room right now, and their thought process is something like this, that if we don't have something happen from God, the marriage isn't going to make it. I'm going to lose my son. I'm going to lose my daughter. I don't know if I can make it myself. It just might, it just might end here. There are people who are facing circumstances and situations just like this. And I've got good news for you. Listen to this story. Listen to what happened in this particular story. Jacob was a twin. Jacob was the second one to come out of to, to come out. And he had a contentious life even before he came out of his mother's womb. Um, Jacob was, was uh, the Bible tells us that Jacob and Esau wrestled while they were in the room. And as Esau was being born, coming out of the womb, the Bible also tells us that Jacob had a hold of Esau's heel. In other words, uh, this kid, uh, Jacob, had issues. Right from the womb with Jacob, he had continuous issues. There were things going on. Uh, Esau was a daddy's boy, and Jacob would be a mommy's boy in this particular story. Esau being the firstborn, that, that would mean for him that he would, he would uh, receive all of the blessings and all of the be benefits as being the firstborn. And the story is this, Jacob connived. Jacob conspired uh, and his brother Esau to make a trade that he would give Jacob his birthright for a bowl of stew. was about all that he was going to, to give. And we find within the scriptures, the scriptures say that Esau, as a result of this despised, despised his, his uh, birthright that he would have. Jacob's whole life, right from the womb, loaded with problems and confusion, deceptions and lies, continuously. Now Jacob's daddy is about to die. He's on his final days, in his final days of life. And with the help of his mother, Rebecca, the two of them deceived the father. They lied to his dad. They tricked Isaac into, into giving Jacob his, his final blessings before he would die. The blessings would be conferred to, to Jacob rather than to Esau. <clears throat> and by telling him that, by telling Isaac that he was really Esau as the blessings are beginning to be poured out. So Isaac the daddy conferred and would bestow his blessings on his son Jacob. And that would make Jacob to be the patriarch of the family. That would make Jacob to be the judge and the final say of everything. But the truth of the matter is Jacob received that blessing through deception. And it wasn't only his deception, but it would be along with his own mother, Rebecca. The two of them were behind all of this. And once Esau found out what had taken place, what Jacob had done, Esau vowed that he would kill his brother. He would kill his brother. Well, it ended up that Jacob decided that he had to get out of Dodge. He had to get out of there as quickly as, as he possibly could. And he went to another country. And the country that he ended up in uh, was where his mother's brother was living. And there he would meet his uncle, his uncle Laban. Uncle Laban had two daughters. He had one who was very beautiful, a very beautiful daughter. And he had another daughter who wasn't quite as beautiful. And of course, Jacob wanted the, to marry the most beautiful of the two daughters. Uncle Laban, he said, what is it that I need to do in order to marry her? What, what do you require of me? And the uncle says, well, you need to, you need to work the farm. You need to be one who will work the farm. So, so of course he does, he works the farm. The wedding takes place, and uh, Laban presents to Jacob his new bride, his wife, and he uncovers her, and it is the not-so-beautiful daughter. He was tricked, and Jacob is angry. He is frustrated. He goes to his uncle again, Uncle Laban, what must I do? 
in order to marry your beautiful daughter. And he says, you're to work the farm again. And he agrees. Jacob agrees. And he works another few more years on the farm. And Jacob ends up, Jacob now ends up, after doing that, he ends up with two wives. And you think you have problems. <laughs> just kidding, ladies. No, I'm kidding. Don't throw anything at me. I'm just kidding. Jacob and Uncle Laban didn't get along at all. So Jacob decides he's going to leave. And as he's ready to depart, as he's ready to leave, Jacob finds out that his brother Esau, Esau is hot on the trail after him. He's coming. He'll soon be there. Now, mind you, he hasn't seen his brother in 20 years. You know what he did to Esau, and now Esau wants to kill him. That's the last words that Esau said, the last words that Jacob heard from his brother. going to kill me. So he's on his way. Not only is he on his way, but it's also been told to him that Esau has 400 men that are with him. I'm telling you, Jacob is all messed up. He has been all messed up his entire life, his whole life. And it's not that Jacob wanted to have an encounter with God, but the truth of the matter was he needed one. He needed an encounter with God. He needed this. He didn't want it, but he needed this encounter. And I'm using today's encounter story, this face-to-face -face encounter of Jacob and God. The story that I'm going to read to you right now from the scriptures, uh, this face-to-face -face encounter. I'm dedicating all of this for those of you who are here today. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, you're not sure yet if there is a God. You don't know if you believe the Bible is the Word of God. Whether you're a believer or unbeliever, I'm dedicating this message to you, this story to you, for those of you whose lives are all messed up. Because my friend, you know you need help. You know what's going on right now in your life. You need help. You, you, you are hurting as a result of these things going on in your life, the marriage, the, the finances, the, the drugs, whatever those things are in your life, whatever they are, you know that you're hurting because of this, and you know that you need God. You know that you can't do this on your own. And listen, God knew that, knew that today. He knew that you just didn't need another sermon and another worship service, and then go back to your broken world. The absolute reality is, is that you need an encounter with God today that's going to change your life. At times, we all need that, but today you need that. I don't know who you are. I'm de dedicating this portion of the service to you, that you would be honest with yourself and that you would seek God today in a way you never had before and let that encounter change your life. When Jacob began this face-to-face -face encounter with God, the Bible tells us that in desperation, Jacob went after God with everything within him. As he starts wrestling, as he starts getting into this, this encounter with God, he goes with everything within him. So much so, as Jacob was in God's presence, he said to God, he says, I'm not leaving until something gives. I'm in this wrestle. I'm in this wrestling match with you, God. I'm in this thing, and I'm not leaving until something gives. Most everybody, most every Bible, I'm sorry, most every Bible, Bible title, titles this particular portion of Scripture as Jacob wrestles with God. It's what it says. If you would look up in uh, Genesis th uh, 32 at verse 24 in that area, the title will be Jacob wrestling with God. And he was. He was literally wrestling with God in the scriptures. We find this, this story to be true. In fact, go with me to Genesis uh, chapter 32, verse 24. Let me read it to you. It says, This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Now, scholars are going to tell you that word man is not a man like you and I are who are here today as men. It's not that, that kind of man. Uh, man. Scholars, this is profound, but the scholars would all agree that the man that is wrestling with Jacob right now 
is the Old Testament personification of the second person of the Trinity. Yes, it was Jesus himself who was wrestling with Jacob in this uh, chapter 32 of the book of Genesis. It was God himself. It was Jesus himself being there. So let me read to you the, the, the whole wrestling match. Genesis chapter 32, beginning with verse 24 again. This left Jacob all alone in the camp, and a man, man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, when the man, when Jesus, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, the man said, Jesus said, uh, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. The man re responded, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him, but from now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. And have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there, and Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face. This is the first face to face encounter that we find in all the scriptures. For Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God. For he said, I have, I have seen the face of God, and yet my life has been spared. What an incredible story! This was a wrestling match between Jacob, who versus the God of heaven. Because of his con uh, contending tenacity, Jacob prevailed within this match. And I also think a little bit of God's grace, too. I think God could beat up Jacob, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> but finally, the Lord would let Jacob go, and he blessed him as he wanted to be blessed. I, I'm assuming that there would be those who would ask, well, then why would God, why would God somehow or another uh, take his hip out of socket? Why would God do that? Well, there are three reasons why I believe that God would do that, and I'm going to share those three reasons at the, in just a moment. There's three points that are going to be answering that question for you and I. But listen to this part before I get into those three points, and it's this. Listen, God wants you to encounter him. God wants this. This is in the Bible for a reason. And we can have a hope according to the word of God. We can have a hope that maybe, just maybe, God would want to do something like this with us. We, we, God wants us to encounter him. He wants us to trust him completely. For Jacob, God had to take from Jacob his natural abilities. He, he had to get to the place where he was completely surrendered to God so that he would no longer rely on his own strength and ability, but instead, point number one, instead he would have a new strength. He would have a new strength, the Bible would tell us. We find in verse 28... Let me just read that verse to you. He says, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man, I, the, the man told him, for now you are, uh, on you will be called Israel. From now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and you have won. We find here within the word of God a new strength came upon him that he was even able to beat, beat the man, to beat our Lord, our God. In other words, God submitted and allowed that to happen. Whatever it is, my friend, whoever you are, Whoever you are that are facing crisis right now, whatever it is in your life that's messed you up, um, and you're trying to fix all of this on your own, you're trying to put the pieces together, you're trying to do this or to do that so that it would all come together. Hey, buddy, I, I want to say to you, that's rather commendable that you're trying to do that, but the fact of the matter is, the reality is, you're drowning. You're drowning. You're sinking. You're losing ground. You don't have the strength. You don't have the ability. You can't change all of this like that. 
It's not going to happen on your own. You need God. You need help. And if you, my friend, would simply go to God and have an encounter with God yourself, you're going to find that God has a way of changing everything. Because you're trying to change it on your own strength, your own wisdom, your own knowledge, and it's not working. When you encounter God and you realize, according to Isaiah chapter 55, that His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are wiser than your thoughts. His power is greater than your power. He will strengthen you. You cannot do this on your own. It will be God who will strengthen you. Point number two. Point number two, He will give you personally a new identity. A new identity. Again, go with me back to Genesis chapter 32, verse 28. Verse uh, 28, it says, he says that, that uh, he says he will give you a new identity. And what he says is that you shall be called Israel. That's what it says in verse 28. That's what I was looking for in verse 28, is that you will be called Israel. In other words, Israel means that God fights. God knew exactly who Jacob was. He knew that he was a deceiver. God knew that Jacob was a deceiver, that he was a manipulator. He knew that Jacob was who, exactly who he was. But what God needed for Jacob to do was to identify that within himself. So for those of us who right now are facing issues and challenges, more than likely it's because you've been a deceiver. More than likely you, in one way or another you've been a manipulator to make things happen in your life. And we've got to get to the place where we would confess that, that we would admit that to God. That we would say that's exactly who I am. And when you do that, when, when uh, Jacob had done that, God want, wanted to bless Jacob. And he ended up, uh, for Jacob, he would completely take care of the troubled past that he had. Whatever the issues were before that, that were with him, whatever those problems were, they were wiped out. According to the scriptures, what you read in that story, if you were to continue to move on, even his meeting with his brother Esau, it was just wiped out. Those things were completely dealt with. Once Jacob did what he needed to do with all of that, whatever the issues were before, they were completely gone. With God, he, he's the one, the only one who can forgive us of our sin, past, present, and future, if you would call on him. He's the only one that could possibly do that. He forgives us, and only God is able to do that. Whoever you are today, whatever it is that you're going through within your past, God would want to say the same thing to you. I'm sorry we had that interruption, but God would want to say the same thing to you. He would want you to know that regardless of what it is that's going on in your life, God would say to you that you are no longer that fumbling failure. You're no longer that person who's filled with regret and shame, who is intimidated with poor self-esteem and no confidence in life itself, in your own life or in life itself. Listen, my friend, God is looking to change all of that for you. In fact, God wants to give you a new name as well. So whatever your first name is, whoever you are, male or female, whoever you may be, God wants to give you a brand new name as well. And he may call you redeemed. He may call you righteous. He may call you my son, my daughter. He may call you victorious. He may call you overcomer. However it is that you would move toward God and you're fighting your way through, you want that encounter, you want him to be able to deliver you from that particular thing you're going through, whatever it is that you're dealing with. He wants to give you a new name, and God is going to give you a new purpose. You don't need to stay in that lifestyle. You don't need to be a part of that sin any longer. God wants to give you and I the victory, and it will happen. And again, I know that to be true because of what he's done in my life over the last 47 years. My third and final point is this. He will give you a new joy. Verse 29 says that God blessed Jacob, and God blessed Jacob there. With God's blessing always comes happiness. Always comes favor and provision and joy. 
God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to favor you if you would allow him to do that. Psalm 16, verse 11 says these words. And it says, you make known to me the path of life. Uh, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand is what the Bible says. My friend, please, we're ready to begin. We're ready to begin our encounters. Today, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and yet you're feeling a tug within your heart to do something about that, all you need to do is to invite him in. Challenge you to do that. I'm going to ask if our intercessors would come and stand along the front where you normally stand. Spread yourselves out around here. If we could have our couple of ushers come on down and get ready. As we begin this encounter time, this is between you and God. This is between you and God. And what I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment is that as the worship team begins the song, I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to bring your tithe and bring it to the Lord and present it to Him as an offering. An offering to God. This is, this is how we worship God, by giving Him our tithe. And as we're doing that, you can then go from location to location. If you want somebody to pray with you, they will, however it would be. But we're going to ask you to do that. Please don't leave until we release you. You're going to get out of here right on time. But let's meet with our God. Father, I pray your blessing, your provision, your presence, your power, your promises. I pray that something of God would just invade this place, invade the hearts of each and every one of us who are truly seeking after that encounter with you. I pray you will bring healing to bodies. I pray that you will bring restoration to families and marriages. I pray that, God, you would make yourself known to people who are looking to know Jesus in a personal way, God in a personal way. And, God, to those who are, who are going through the most difficult challenges of God, I pray that you'll put them on that path of recovery and restoration. I ask this in Jesus' name.